0: On high. He is the Lord. Spoke into the darkness, created the light. He is the Lord. Who is like unto Him, never ending in days. He is the Lord. And He comes in power and we call on His name. He is the Lord. Show your power. Show your power. Oh no. The gospel, O oh Lord, is the hope for our nation. You are the Lord. It's the power of God for our salvation. You are the Lord. We ask not for riches, but look to the cross. You are the Lord. Make this your prayer. And for our inheritance, give us the lost. You, let's sing that again, your gospel. Your gospel, O oh Lord, is the hope for our nation. We provide that. It's the power. It's the power of God. For our salvation, you are the Lord. We ask not, we ask not for riches, but look to the cross. You are the Lord. And for our inheritance, give us the Lord. You are the Lord. Come, show your power. Oh! son sie fur my hart is, he is my is my spirit. my story Thousands, among thousands, mighty be the most beautiful among thousands, thousands, Yeshua, Yeshua. you <laughs>
1: every name we just declare once again that yours is all the glory, all the power all the praise you are great to be praised you're the glorious one glorious one Lord you are beautiful beyond comprehension Lord and you are beautiful in all your ways Lord every aspect of you is beautiful Lord in all your ways God all your ways are wonderful and true, Lord. We worship you, Lord. And as we ready ourselves for the word right now, Lord, we want to we wanna be a people that heal to your ways, God, your beautiful ways. So we come with a posture now. We heal to you. We heal to you, Lord. King of kings. Lord of lords. We heal to you.
2: Well, it's lovely to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so special to see your faces and a couple of new faces, people that I haven't met. So it's lovely to see a couple of new folk. Just a, from my side, a big thank you. I know many of you have been praying for us, my wife and I. MC actually would have come this morning, but I'm going to be two services and she's not strong enough for two. So she's going to be doing Melpos. But uh, just a huge thank you for, from our side. A bit of I know many of you want to know how she's doing. Uh, for those of you that are new, Two weeks ago I was about to fly to Europe and literally in International Terminal I got a message that my wife's stomach ache was worse than we thought and uh, she had an obstruction in her bowels which is quite serious, she's got a lot of medical complications. Uh, So they thought it was a long two weeks, bottom line is it looks like the obstruction is cleared which is great news but they did find fluid, um, a bloody fluid in her stomach cavity which they don't know what that's from. We should have found out already about two, three days ago, but they still, well, we just haven't had the news. That could be very serious or not. So we're waiting for the news on that. And, uh, but Emerson and I are doing well. I think uh, probably carried, I suppose, by the grace of the Lord through all of this and uh, obviously digging into His grace and into His goodness. So thank you for your prayers. And I'm hoping that on Monday I'll be able to post the good news. Otherwise, it's going to be a wild ride. I often said with my wife, sorry, but this is our humor. I hope I don't offend any of you, but I love extreme sport. Being married to her is an extreme sport. <laughs> I don't need to surf big waves or anything. Just being married to her is like, whoa, fasten your seatbelts and the ride is wild. But we are, we are doing well and uh, seeing the Lord in all of it, so thank you. But I actually, we started this year with an elders' camp. There was such a sense of God birthing and breaking something in us. I think we at the end of COVID, I think COVID internationally, you're watching daily now nations in Europe are are dropping COVID regulations, going back to normal. I don't know why we're taking so long. But I think COVID as we knew it is over. And it is the beginning of a new season. And I actually feel that it's a season in the Lord that God is going to and wants to break open just incredible uh, a sense of his presence, a sense of his glory, and a sense of us working together harder than we've ever worked before to make disciples of nations, which is what he's asked us to do. And I feel like it's a time where God wants to birth and break things in us. But out of that time in the elders, obviously, we went through a little storm. And because I'm going through a storm doesn't mean that you are. But as I prayed, I felt the Lord say to me, and it was confirmed with a number of prophetic words, that actually what God is birthing in us, Satan is trying to steal. And so I really, I felt I wanted to kind of preach into that because I do feel like um, there are seasons where we are brought through uh, times of trial, times of testing. And I wanted to to really learning about testing is really what today is. Because I am a little bit shocked at at how how people think about these things. Christians specifically, especially if you've been saved a while, I think we were all kind of taught the classic Christian cliches of what we're supposed to do and how you respond to situations. And a lot of us have got a cut and paste mentality. It's almost like, so if this happens, then you've got to do this to get out of that scenario. And I don't know that it's always as simple as that. And so I want to dig into this with you in the scriptures. And and maybe just to start off in the book of Revelation 12 verse 4, um, we see Jesus or God about to birth something on the earth. It's actually... Initially, the birth of his son, Jesus, uh, and it, the Revelation, the book of Revelation tells us about this woman who's, who's a virgin, who's pregnant, and about to give birth to a child. Um, and the picture is actually uh, a futuristic picture now in the book of Revelation, that God, when he birthed things in us, in the Holy Spirit... Um, How how often the things work out. How many of you felt the Lord birthing things in you in the Holy Spirit? Birthing, calling, and ministry, calling things that he's calling you specifically to do. And it's normally that when the birthing of God comes into us, that the devil is actually there to steal the seed. And we see that here, uh, and I'll jump down to the third line. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. Now we know when Jesus was born, what happened is uh, literally the King Herod at the time ordered the killing of all the firstborn children in that region. And uh, many, many young lives were lost. And Jesus was taken away as a child because his parents had a dream. And the Lord was able to take his parents into Egypt where he was able to escape Herod's clutches. But there is this picture that whenever God births something in us, Satan is there to steal the seed as it's about to give birth. And so birthing times are vulnerable times. You can see that even in the natural. Uh, It's a very vulnerable time. Even with modern medicine, it's still a very vulnerable time for a woman to go through a birthing process. And we know historically many women would have died in the process of giving birth. Now, spiritual birthing is actually also, it's an exhilarating time and it's a terrifying time at the same time because the devil does want to steal the seed while it's still young. (laughs) And uh, and so we've got to learn how do we come through that. And uh, I want to talk about how do we come through times of testing because I have a sense that we, as Josh Chen, are in a time of testing or tempting. And uh, and that means it will work out differently for each one of us as Satan, in some ways, tries to come into each of our situations to steal the seed of what God wants to birth in and through us. All right. In other words, the things of God don't come easy. There's normally a bit of resistance. In fact, I often say if you get a very clear prophetic word, fasten your seatbelt, it's going to be a wild ride to get there. And, uh, because it's often like that in the things of God. Now, we know that, and there's a few things I want to just lay as a background. I don't have time to dig into this, all of this theologically. I am going to be killing some holy cows. In other words, sometimes the way we've been taught, I think, isn't correct. And so I'm going to be smashing some things down. So if you get stuck talk to me afterwards and I can try and help you navigate your way through that because sometimes when we hear something that's different to what we've learned it's sometimes very difficult to process and we often so don't disregard things too quickly especially if I'm showing you in the scripture situations that clash with your present belief system does that make sense? don't just write me off he doesn't know what he's talking about maybe I do know what I'm talking about and I'm giving you the word of God and you need to grapple with the word of God on these matters not what you were taught at some seminary, or some Bible school, or some church, we need to grapple with the Word of God in these matters. So it's a little bit of a teach. So the first thing I want to say is this: in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, uh, it's an interesting time. Jesus is about to be crucified, and obviously he's going to go through a time of testing. But his disciples are also going to go through a time of testing, and Jesus says something profound to Satan, to, to Simon, who <laughs> we call Satan in another scenario. But that's about the teaching itself. Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. It's a profound concept, that. In other words, somehow Jesus has been privy to something that's gone on in the heavenlies. And he knows that Satan is actually asked to sift Simon. In other words, Simon's name came up in heaven, somehow, and the devil in the presence of God, and we know that he does come into the presence of God in the book of Job chapter 1 and 2, you'll see that, comes into the presence of God and says let me have a go at Simon. And Jesus says, Satan has asked to do this. And the scary thing for Simon is, don't worry, he doesn't say this, but don't worry, Simon, I put my angels around you to protect you. That's not what he says. Or, don't worry, Simon, remember I've taught you to have authority in situations like this. He says this, when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers, and he says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you're going to come through this. And sometimes the Lord throws us into these situations that are very, very dangerous uh, and almost, like, almost seems reckless. And in those times, actually, He is praying for us that we come through. The thing I want you to see here is if you are going into a time of trial or testing, there has been permission given. Because God says He does come on His angels concerning His beloved. To hold us, to protect us, that our feet will not strike the stone. And we know that that was the scripture the devil used in Jesus' time of testing. Do you remember that? When Jesus was tested, Satan said, didn't God command his angels to protect you? And God does command his angels to protect us. But there are times when the Lord will pull his angels back and say, it's your time of trial. It's your time for you to come through this. And every one of us will have a moment where we will stand face to face with the devil. You gotta know that. And there's no angels backing you up. It's you and him. Okay. God's praying. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus for the Father for you. Keep him, keep him in the storm. Keep him. But and, and, and in in another sense we realise that Satan needs permission. He needs permission. Satan is asked. He wouldn't ask if he didn't need permission. And we see that in the book of Job, chapter one. God's boasting about Job and, and Satan says, oh, he just loves you because you blessed him. Let me touch the blessing. Let me take away the favor. Let me touch and, and, and then see if he blesses you. And God gives permission. And so the time of testing starts. If you're in a time of testing, God has given permission for that testing to happen. Okay. Remember that. Whatever you face. God said, it's your time. This is not the kind of teach you normally get. (laughs) God sets the boundaries of the test, too. We know that. In other words, there's limits to how far the devil can go with you. And we see that again in the book of Job and in many other places. You can have his body, but you can't take his life. You can touch his finances, but you can't touch his life. Uh, And so God sets the boundaries of the test. Okay. So, one of the things I thought it'd be good to do is look at the testing of Jesus because we see Jesus, as, as our big brother in a sense, was led into a, a time of testing. And the profound thing here is that it happens just after he's baptized, heaven opens, a dove comes down on him, the Holy Spirit comes onto him. He has a voice from heaven saying, This is my son from the Father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's like this glorious, best moment in his life up until then. And then in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, we read, So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them was hungry. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by who? By the Holy Spirit into where? The desert, so that he could be tested. So the profound thing is this. Actually, it's the perfect will of God that leads Jesus into the time of testing. It's not like he sinned. It's not like he's done something wrong. He's just heard, my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then from there, the Spirit of God, picture this, takes his hand and leads him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. It's a profound thought that it's sometimes obedience that will cause the greatest trials to come upon us as believers. People often think if it's going badly, it's because you're rebellious. That's an Old Testament concept. In the Old Testament, when you're rebellious, God raises up the Syrians or the Babylonians to sort you out, to to teach you His ways. In the New Testament, often it's when you're most zealous and passionate that the time of testing is at its worst. The teaching that it's all going to go well with you in this life isn't always an accurate teaching. There is blessing that comes. But actually, very often... I mean, of the 12 apostles, do you think they were pretty much obedient? So how did it go for them? 11 of them are killed for their faith, and one of them spends his old age in jail. There's no Ferrari. There's no big house on the hill. There's no happy home with kids. But for eternity, for eternity they are honored and revered before the throne room of God. Somehow Christianity has mixed all this stuff up. So, and one of the things that I saw this, that I've never seen this before, and it really actually blew my mind. Um, in Luke 4, verse 9 and 10, listen to this. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil, right? Then this. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Did you just get that? Who led Jesus when he was in the testing time? No, no, The Holy Spirit led him into the testing time, but who led him in the testing time? The devil led Jesus. So it's possible to be, it's like the Holy Spirit takes Jesus' hand and says, come with me and, and leads him and then takes the devil's hand and says, okay, and steps back. And then Jesus, actually in the perfect will of God, follows the devil in the time of testing without sinning. You know, he never sins. Did you get that? The devil leads him to Jerusalem. I've been in Israel. Where, his testi- where the testing starts in the wilderness is a long way from Jerusalem. This wasn't a, a momentary. This was, this was a few days journey that Jesus has got his hand in the devil's hand and he's literally being led to the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. And then in that place, the devil takes him to the highest point of the temple and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Sometimes in the time of testing, your hand will be in the devil's hand and you're not sinning. Did you get that? You're in the perfect will of God. Don't sin, but for that season, you've been given over. I'm sure it feels like you're following the Holy Spirit. But actually, it's a season where the devil is leading you into a difficult trial and time. And he's leading you to test you, to tempt you, to cause you to try and rise up against God. And I wish I had time to dig into that, because, but I don't have time to dig into that, but in terms of how sometimes the testing comes at us and how we, we respond is so key in the time of testing. But that's another teach for another time. Did you get that? So, and here's the interesting thing. He gets led by the devil to God's house. (laughs) And it's in God's house that he faces his test. It's at the temple in Jerusalem, the Old Testament picture of the church, that he faces his test. So there's a mystery here. I know we, many of us have got the thing of like, if God's in me, then you know, the devil can't be near me. But we know he's, biblically that's not true because in Job 1 and 2, the devil comes into the very holy of holies and talks to God. So the testing time is a wild time. And it can happen in god's house you could be tested in the church you could be tested by your brothers and i would remind you that jesus was tested by his brothers because remember he turned to simon and said get behind me satan and do you know what simon did he did what a lot of us would do he tried to help jesus but in trying to help jesus he was actually the voice of the devil not the voice of god because jesus was saying i need to go and get crucified and simon was like there's no way that the Messiah of Israel can be crucified. That's not the way of God. Never Jesus. Never Jesus. And in responding in what he thought was wisdom, he actually, Simon there was being led, because Jesus talks to the devil who's leading Simon and says, get behind me, Satan. So, even a brother, here, sitting among us, or a wife, or a husband, or a child, can be that time of testing for you. How do you respond is the key thing. Are you with me? I feel like I'm... I, are you with me? Or is this like, whoa, higher grade, I'm... Um, tap out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know the cliched answers. I've taught them. But if I look at my Bible, I see that... Actually, there's a mystery here that sometimes we don't, we, we're uncomfortable with. We want the easy, you know, one plus one is two. And it's not always that simple. Sometimes there is a mystery in how God works. That is, and actually, the only way we can come through it is, God, I don't know what's going on. But please take my hand and lead <laughs> me through this. Because I don't know how to process this. So and uh, in times of great testing, Jesus has led, one of the areas of testing is hunger. In other words, human lack an inability to feed yourself or to save yourself. He's hungry at the end of these four. He's weak. He's so weak at the end of this time, angels actually came and ministered to him. And so one of the times of testing, in your times of testing, you will experience weakness. You might find, and it might be a time of lust testing, and you'll find you weak in that area. Maybe you were strong, but in the time of testing, you're weak in that area. Um, And... uh, Weakness or, or hunger can have many faces. It could be financial testing. It could be emotional testing. And it could be physical testing. In other words, got, your body can get affected or your hunger or your physical needs, your emotional needs can be tested. And also your financial needs can be tested. who has been tested financially. <laughs> and it's how you respond in the test. It's how we respond. I was chatting with, a, I think he's the wealthiest guy that I know, actually. He's been very generous, and I, was, I had him on my heart, and I, I phoned him the other day, and I'm like, how's it going? And he's like, it's going terribly. I've been giving to the church, and it's just going so bad. And I said, yeah, I, I felt for you. I, I had you on my heart. I felt like you in a time of testing. And in the time of testing, you can't give your way out of this. Yeah, I know the Bible says, given it will be given to you, pressed down and measured over. There, there is a sense that you will get a return at some point. But that, that, that point, you won't find the strength in yourself to suddenly just find the, oh, that's the key to my breakthrough. And I know everyone teaches the key to your breakthrough. Listen, if the key to your breakthrough is that simple, the problem with the key to your breakthrough is it's actually human strength. If I could just find the key out of this, then I can save myself. I'll use God, I'll use the kingdom, but I want to get out of this place. What is the key? Save me. And actually, sometimes there is no key but God himself. You just fall into God and you just go, God, there's no key here, but you are life. And I'm holding on to you because you're all I've got. And if you strip everything I have, that's fine. Because you are God and you're worth my life. And what you choose to do is what you choose to do. I don't even, it's funny, I was, this is off my notes, but sometimes I don't even know how to pray. Like, on Monday, I might hear that my wife has cancer. And if it is cancer, well, there's no transplant, and it's pretty advanced cancer if it is cancer because of the symptoms, which means that um, that's going to be a wild storm for us. I don't actually know how to pray, being honest. I know in my flesh what I want. I know in my flesh what I'm hoping it does. I know what will be easier in my understanding. But I don't know what I don't know. His ways are higher than mine. So I, I can, I, when I talk to God, I, I'm like this God, you know what I would prefer. <laughs> but I don't have to tell you what I'd prefer. But God, I know that you're good. I know. somehow you work in all things for the good of those who love you. I know there's mystery in you that I don't understand. Your ways are infinitely higher than mine, as far as the heavens are above the earth. So Lord, I don't want to pray presumptuously. I don't want to just get before you and God, give me this and give me that. God, give me the ability to listen to you. I was thinking, you know, in the early church, think about this. In Jerusalem, I'm off my notes. In Jerusalem... The apostles start getting killed. One gets beheaded, and then Peter gets put in jail, and miraculously he gets out of jail, and the saints know, okay, the heat's getting turned up. They're going to start killing us now. They've killed one of us, and they're hunting us, and it's getting bad to be a Christian in Jerusalem. Let's have a prayer meeting, which they do. How do you think we would pray in that scenario? What would we be praying if persecution's coming? What would we be praying? Oh, God, turn the hearts. Save us, God! Make it lighter again. It's horrible. And you know what they pray? They pray. I'm paraphrasing. God, you're the God of all things. Even your Son was handed over to them according to your perfect will. So, God, give us bravery and courage to preach harder than ever. You think, okay, that's a spirit prayer. Because the flesh is like,
0: save me.
2: Get me out of here, God. You see, the problem with prayer meetings is we can easily get in the way of God. We can can do the Simon Peter thing. Never, Lord. It could never, let that never crucify you. And God's like, you're praying satanic prayers right now. Because you're leaning on your own understanding. You've got the cut and paste little, God wants to bless me, therefore this is not God, because this doesn't feel like blessing. Therefore, I must take authority, or I must find some key in the kingdom so that I can, and I'm like, there are times, and I'll get to that in my notes, hopefully, that you will be able to take authority. But you don't know whether this is that time or not. That's something that only God can show you. I'll give you my 24-hour period. And um, this is not because we're actually in a great space. Um, I did have two days where I was struggling under the weight of this, but I I felt like we broke through and both Ems and I have broken through. But this was a 24-hour period. I'm in the International Terminal about to fly to England two weeks ago. Okay, I get the phone call. There's a major obstruction uh, in MC's stomach. uh, Her food can't pass. It's actually life and death. Okay, so I get off the plane find her in the hospital and uh, then they say within that same 24 hour period, this is a 24 hour period, this is, this is our day. Um, okay, we also found fluid on her stomach, which is something else and uh, we don't know what that is. It could be cancer, but we, we're not sure. Uh, oh, and by the way, we've just found out that her sister, who was going to be the kidney transplant, her kidney looks like it's also not as strong as we thought it was. So the transplant that was scheduled for the 20th of Feb is now potentially best case scenario moving to the end of March but we actually think her kidneys aren't strong enough so you just lost your donor okay which is kind of a big deal after two years of waiting for the transplant and every second day my wife's on dialysis then um, my my daughter wakes up that morning with a snake in her bed I wake up that morning put on a wetsuit to go surf and I get bitten on my neck by a spider and I need antibiotics because this is rotting a hole into the back of my neck I invested, I sold my house a while ago and I put the money overseas and learned that I lost 400,000 Rand that day. And then I learned my wife's car had a 30,000 Rand problem that day. And then I broke a surfboard in that surf and got out of the car and somehow slammed another, I wasn't angry, I just somehow when I tried to pull another board out, I'd broken the tail of another surfboard open. And uh, (laughs) and I was like, this is a 24-hour period. It's like, like, Job and me, we like this. we like chums, you know. It's like. <laughs> and in some ways, every one of those areas, our finances, our, everything, was, was touched. I'm not preaching this because I went through it. I'm not preaching this for sympathy. I'm preaching this because I think you are going to go through this. To some degree. I don't think, hopefully not the degree that we did. Okay. So it was one of those, like, oh God, times of uh, that was my retirement that just disappeared one day. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's not cool. Okay, so times here's the thing: times of great lack. Jesus was in the wilderness for forty days. It's a it's a period of time. Your period when you and I go into times of trial it's always for a season but here's the the key I don't know how long your season will be the 40 here just signifies a lengthy time I mean, Khirsi, you've been in a trial I remember when you first came to Josh, Jen when you've been here since early, early days we must have been going was it our first year or, or second year that you came fourth year I remember you from the early stages there's a trial right there how many years now? 30 years and the Lord could just touch you. Just raise up out of that wheelchair and it's all over. It's like sorted. <laughs> MC's trial has been well, from about the age, pretty much birth actually, conception. So, And then other trials can last a few days or a moment and you're through it. How long will your trial last? I don't know. I know that you're unique and God loves you uniquely and He's planned a destiny for you. And sometimes the destiny that He's planned for you includes a lengthy period of trials. And if it is your destiny, rejoice in all things. Because He works in all things for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Here's the thing. How many of you, are, I'm like 51, I can't believe I'm 51. If just life is becoming a trial right now at my age. <laughs> My cholesterol is up, my, my blood pressure is up, my, I, I hurt every morning. And I think, I think eventually you get the point where you want to die because it's just too painful to wake up. Your body fades, it's so imperishable, it's just like, this sucks. I remember when I was 15 or 18 and I could run around all day. Now everything hurts. I got you know, it's just, And it's a trial. It's a trial of old age. It's a trial of sin and what it does to us. Not your sin. It's just sin. I think when you're young, you just think you're just going to escape every trial. Because you just bounce back from everything. And then you realize, whoa! Life's pretty tough sometimes. And I think that's why the churches that promise to get out of jail free cards grow so quick. Because everyone wants the escape clause. But in truth, They offer a false escape clause. Our escape clause is this. Your trial will end, I promise you that. It might end when you die. And you come into his presence for eternity. And here's the amazing thing about that. This life feels so long for us, doesn't it? It feels like so long. But actually, it is so short. The Bible says it's like a mist. Here and gone. It's like a flower that, and then it's gone. Eternity with God is what we were made for. You and I were not made for this life. We were made to spend an eternity with Him in a place where there is no sin. That we would walk with Him like Adam did in the cool of the garden. This life is a burp in eternity. It is nothing. It is over quick. And we think too much of this life, don't we? Like I lose my peace in this life, or I, you know it goes bad in this life. Well, then, what kind of a God are you? I, I, I was, you know, I was looking at um, Will Murray. I just yesterday was uh, on YouTube, and there was U- Will Murray. Many of you know him, those of you that don't. He was uh, just an, an incredible ally to me and to us in the gospel. He was one of our ministers, a faithful man. He ran flat out for Jesus, and it popped up on my YouTube clip. In the light of eternity, I think was the name of the clip, and there he sits, as with the Lord. I remember sitting with Pam, his wife, just after he died. Saying, you know, Pam, I think I mentioned this at the funeral as well. Pam, for us, death is terrible. That person's gone and often there's suffering involved and it's like, why, why couldn't it have just been better? And, and, and then they, you know, they suffer and then they're gone. And the Bible says that our body is sown in weakness, in dishonor, in shame. There's a shame in death. Let's be honest. There's a shame in death. There's a weakness. There's men that were once strong are just crippled and dying. But the Bible says, "Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of His saints." Why? And I use the picture of her pregnancy. If a pregnancy. The woman's pregnant. She's got the child in her womb. The child's alive, but it can't see dad. Can't it? Can't feel mom's touch it just hears this. Even though your dad sings for the child, and it's like, because it's it's hearing through amniotic fluid, the womb, the muscles, and all the things. It's sitting in there. It might get an odd happy feeling if mom gets it and she passes on some endorphins, but the reality of it is, everything is through this milky womb. And then when it's born, in a moment, it looks into the eyes of the woman that's carried it for nine months. And there's dad right there. And it starts life. Death, for us, is coming out of the womb. Where well, he's sort of there, and we hear him a little bit now and then, and we know every now and we get that endorphin. And, but he, we could, now we see him face to face. And for eternity, we're with him, where there's no sin, where there's no suffering, where it is like he intended it to be all along. Where, oh, death is your sting. When someone does, we actually should be going. You are a lucky bum. You lucky bum. Your suffering's over. Now it's just everything that's good, forever. But as Christians, we're stuck in this life, aren't we? God bless me now. I tired. Where's my? Oh. <laughs> it's like, man, we got to wake up does this make sense we live to die that's the point the point is to be with him so I've gone so long here's an interesting thing and this is where the charismatics among us are getting nervous twitches and I'm charismatic I believe in the gifts of the spirit I believe in prophecy tongues I believe in all these things but I think sometimes we've got man we just messed up everything with or a lot of things some great things out of the charismatic movement, I thank God for it, but some of the stuff we learned was so unhelpful. In times of testing, we sometimes have no authority over the devil. Only God does, and He, God, puts the boundaries of the testing grounds on us. Here's the thing. In times of testing, how do you get out of it? When I heard, the Lord spoke to me first, Andrew, you're in time testing. I thought maybe, but I didn't want to presume that. (laughs) <laughs> if you're honest, I, did, I thought, am I in a time of testing, but I'm not going to, you know, until you tell me, I'm, now it's just a bad moment, <laughs> like, it, it soon will pass, is this a time of testing, and then when I felt Josh Jen was in a time of testing, I was like, okay, and then a number of prophetic words, even from people outside of our church, just sent me words, I feel like this is happening, I'm like, okay, the Lord, I feel like you've spoken to me. The next question was this, okay, so we're in a time of testing, okay, what does that mean? How do we get out of this? What do we do? How do we respond? How do we respond? I mean, do we just call a prayer and bind the devil? The Bible says we have authority. Can we just do that? Time of testing over. Bing dong. There you go. Sorted. We just took what Jesus did and we just brought it into reality and we took authority. Where we've got authority and now we won. Maybe. Maybe. But maybe not. Because Jesus, if anyone took the devil on a lot, it was Jesus. And he shows us how to live. Normally, when Jesus and the devil had little moments, it looked like this Satan, get out. And the devil went, even sometimes before he opened his mouth, Please don't send me out of this place to the place of suffering. Please, can I just stay on the earth a bit longer? That was the normal response. But in the time of testing, it's not that Jesus taking authority over the devil and binding and driving the devil out. It's Jesus with a hand, his hand in the devil's hand, being led by Satan. And Jesus seems to have no authority to fix his scenario. And if Jesus is our big brother, then when we are in times of testing, sometimes, sometimes the Lord wants to teach you to take authority, sometimes you just got to keep walking and do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Jesus doesn't bind the devil. He doesn't devil, be still at the first tempting, you know. I don't even need to hear you. Be quiet, and Jesus, will my name. He doesn't do that. He engages and he resists and he doesn't yield to the devil. He doesn't yield to the temptation, but he stays intimate with God. He actually says things like, my will is to do the will of him who sent me. So the cliche of just take authority is a cliche that has no truth always in it. Are you hearing me? Because we've got a lot of Christian cliches, eh? You know. Um, I mean, here's one. Uh, I don't want to mess with your heads too much. <laughs> yeah. the God in the Old Testament says, if you're righteous, I'll bless you. If you... If you're rebellious, I'm gonna raise up the enemy against you. The righteous will live to be a good old age. And then King Josiah, the most righteous king, probably that Israel ever had, I and mean, actually says there's no one else like him. He's a good king. He brings reform to Israel, he brings national repentance, he restores the I mean, he's just this godly king, King Josiah. And then the Bible tells us in Kings and Chronicles that he gets taken to war against I think it was Egypt, if I remember right and he goes to fight Egypt and he gets killed in the battle as a young man. And I'm like, God, what were you thinking? He's like your best king. You've just had this string of bad kings and this guy is genuinely doing the right thing, genuinely seeking, genuinely loving you. You say in your Bible, I had no one else like him, not even David was like him. And then he dies at the hand of the enemy. I don't get it. I don't get it, and you know why he does. God says this; he actually, tells us. Even though he reformed Israel, the sins of the people had been so bad for so long that God just couldn't overlook it any longer. And even a good king died because the people had been evil for too long. <laughs> you think, yeah, the Lord. You see, if you love your life, this is going to freak you out. You're going to run. But if you see him, if you see him, the one who is over all, your perspective is, is, is with you. And I'm not going to be able to finish this, but let me... So let me just make some points here. There are times that we can bind the devil. Matthew 17, 18, Jesus rebukes the devil, and he flees. But you can't always take authority. And here's... I'm going to give you a few examples of that, of people who are we told to imitate their faith. And, uh, and they couldn't always engage and win in terms of authority with the devil. They did win, but not by just praying it through all. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 9, Paul the Apostle, the great Apostle, who tells us that we must imitate his life, tells us, to keep me from becoming proud because of these amazing revelations that God gave me, there was given me, that word given comes from the root word grace, there was graced me, uh, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Now, some of you think that's your husband or your wife, but it's to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a messenger from Satan to torment me. The word messenger is angelos, which literally means, it's where you get the word angel from Satan or a demon from Satan, to torment me, to buffet me. And here's the thing. Wouldn't Paul, who taught us, a lot of what we know about spiritual warfare, just shouldn't he just gone, Satan, I take authority right now in the name of Jesus. I bind you and I cost you into the abyss, wherever you think you're going to be able to send him. Or Isn't that the obvious thing to do if the devil's standing in front of you and you've got authority? But Paul tells us, so he goes to God. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. In other words, God, God, please, could you take this demonic thing away from me? This messenger from Satan, direct translation, whatever that is. And God says, No. No. Why? Because I love you too much, and I've given you so much revelation that if I leave you to your own devices, you're going to get proud, and I resist the proud and give grace to the humble. I never want to stand against you, Paul. So to keep you from falling, I've given you a free demon to torment you for the rest of your life. (laughs) In some ways, the devil's going to hold your hand until you die. And you're going to be buffeted, shipwrecked, beaten. It's going to be terrible. You're going to carry the burden of the churches. You're going to lose sleep. And you're going to wonder, where is the peace of God? And actually, Paul, this is to show you how weak you are. Because it's in your weakness that you'll remember that I'm strong. This thing is a gift from me. Paul doesn't have authority to bind and loose. Paul holds the hand of that devil to the day he dies, boasting that actually God is working even in this to keep him because he loves him. Not what you hear every Sunday, is it? Do you get that? Do you see that? That's the word of God to keep me because he loves me. God has given this thing to me, and I'm going to boast about it now. I've, I mean, imagine. I mean, like, I've got this messenger from Satan tormenting me. I, <laughs> in this sense, Satan actually has authority over Paul, over this area. Not to take his life, but to buffet him. The word, you know, when you play rugby and you're trying to run through, or like, you're trying to get the boys through. And these hands, that, that word is a buffeting. It's literally guys bashing their shoulders into you. Paul's trying to run for Jesus, and he keeps getting smashed and knocked and shipwrecked, and it's actually a demonic thing that's doing it. And God says, I'm not taking it away from you. That thing keeps you humble. Another one, and then I'll, I'll, I'll land with this kind of general point. Um, how's this? In Revelation thirteen seven? listen to this. It talks about the Antichrist spirit that's growing in the world, and I mean, I think many of us are very aware of the fact that we're running out of time fast. And The Bible says there's going to come a time where Satan will be given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Whoa! Did you get that? Satan will be given authority through the Antichrist spirit to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Now, if the Word of God says that that's going down... Is there a possibility that there will come a season where we don't have authority to just bind and loose and because we have now actually going to be conquered because Satan has been given power to make war against us? Now, join the dot back to Paul. Are you with me? I'll give you another one. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Listen to this, I love this. For Paul wants to preach the gospel in this region. And he says, I, I wanted to come to you. Certainly, our Paul did again and again. But Satan stopped us. In other words, he wants to preach the gospel in a new region. And he can't get in because Satan keeps doing what your kids, what your guys did. And you would think Paul would just go, Satan? Do you know who defeated you at the cross of Calvary 50 years ago? And we'd go 2,000 years ago. Do you remember that he, you are a defeated foe? That he's given me authority? But Paul can't do it, not in this scenario. And so what he does is he goes around the devil. He says, I couldn't come, so I'm sending Timothy. In other words, sometimes when you can't get breakthrough the way you want it to happen, sometimes you've got to find another way around. But find your way around. Find your way around. You know, one of the questions I've got now is, what am I going to hear on Monday morning? I could hear, no, it was just, you know, maybe something with their dialysis or something, and the fluid in their stomach's not serious. Awesome. I could hear, okay, this is cancer, and it's spread to the lymph, growth, lymph loads, which is why my stomach wasn't draining. And, you know, it's time. You've got X time. Other way, Other way, how I can't change that scenario. All that I can do is respond to it in the grace of God and say, God, God, I know you can do a miracle. And you know that we're running hard for you and it'd be awesome if you just fixed it because this is really difficult. But God, but God, I love what Job said, though you slay me, yet will I praise you. But God, if it's going to be that road that we've got to walk, help us to walk it well. Help us to walk it in a way that glorifies you. Because the Bible says that sometimes we overcome the devil because we don't love our lives even unto death. That's how you win. That's another way you stand. Sometimes you can bind and loose. Sometimes you've just got to, you know, try and find another way around. Sometimes you've just got to stand. <laughs> and the Bible tells us, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9, and I'll, I'll finish with this because I've gone too long. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 to 9. Listen to this. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Now, Now listen, standing, standing. the posture is, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He's talking to a persecuted people. He's talking to people where he knows they can Christians and look around them and see even in their time some Christians are being given over to Satan and their lives are being taken. They're dying for their faith. They're being burned as human lots in Nero's garden. I mean, they were dying. They were thrown to the lions. They were being tortured and killed. Some of the apostles, the first apostles, had his head chopped off. Other one, yeah, got (laughs) James, the brother of Jesus, stoned later on. These are guys that so you can you can see that it's. So what do you do when the devil's coming at you like that? And you're watching your brothers die. You stand firm in the faith. You stand. You can't stop. You can't take off. You just stand. And though you slay me, yet will I praise you, God. Yet will I praise you, God. And in this, you overcome the devil. That's how you win. He can take your life. If God lets him. But you win because you didn't bow your knee to him. You win because like Daniel, who was saved, though he didn't bow his knee. You said, you throw me to the lions. Who am I? Who am I? I love that one, Martin, I'll finish with the story. It's not in my notes. I forget who it was. And I think it was uh, one of the greats of the faith uh, who lived in the last few hundred years was taken to, um, told to deny what he believed about Jesus. And he he actually had to sign a confession that said that what he'd been teaching about Jesus was not true. And they were torturing him, and at one point, he folded under the torture and signed a confession to the Roman Catholic Church who was persecuting him as a Protestant that what he was teaching was heresy. And then came to his senses after he signed it and began to repent and said, I've sinned against God. He said, do you not know that we're going to kill you if you don't stick to your signature? He said, I don't care. And he said this. When you burn me at the stake, please do me a favor. Leave my right hand free. They normally would tie your hand behind your back. Leave my right hand free because my right hand will be the first thing that I surrendered to the flames because it betrayed me when I betrayed Christ by signing your confession. And they lit him a light. And he had his right hand free. And he held his hand in the flames so that it was the first part of him that burned because he'd seen him He'd seen Him. Sometimes you can bind Him. Sometimes you can pray Him out of the way. Sometimes you can go around Him. Sometimes you stand. And sometimes even when you stand, you stand until you die. And then you're with God for eternity. But you are called to overcome Him. You are called to have victory over Him. And however the Lord leads you through your trial, you must come through. Because Jesus, your, your big brother, overcame the devil. And so you too are called to overcome him. And one day to trample him under your feet. This is what it means to be a Christian at war with the devil. This is what it means to win the battle. And I feel like God's calling you to win your battles. So, I know this is a weird message to to feel encouraged by, but it actually should encourage you if you get it. (sighs) Because your Heavenly Father works in all things for the good of those who love Him. He won't let you be tested beyond what you can endure. If you're facing the trial, you know He believes you can do it. And here's the thing Jesus came out of the time of testing, filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Actually, He was promoted through the time of testing. And you and I will be promoted too. Our promotion might be into glory. Or not. It might be something now. But for you and I to walk into the purposes of God, these things must come. And you and I must win this devil so that we can fight another one on another level. You with me? Pursue. Don't shrink back. Don't lose faith. Stand firm. You called. You loved. You chosen people. Share in Christ's sufferings, and you'll share in his glory on that last day. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, I know this is not often what we teach on Sundays, but it is so in your word when, we, when you grapple with this properly. And I know, Father, I know that many here are in times of trial and testing. I know that there are various parts of our lives that are in some ways being given over, and that you have allowed times of trial and testing, Lord. Your heart is so that we can come through. Your heart is so that we can give you glory. Your heart is so that you can ultimately teach us to be like you, even in the suffering, so that we can grow up to reflect you in all things. Father, right now, I want to pray for this congregation and every single member here, because each one is unique and uniquely loved. Each one is going through... Their own unique journey. And Father, I know that you are leading them faithfully forward to finish the race, to run it and to finish it. And I do want to pray for those that maybe are struggling. I do want to pray for those that maybe in the middle of the trial feel like they've failed or they've fallen. And I love how you find us when we fail. You found Simon when he failed and you restored him. But Father, I know that you're wanting us to come through. And so I do want to pray for those here that do feel that you're in a time of a trial or a testing and you, you do uh, want to just pray to come through. Jesus at the end of his trial, the Bible says, angels came and ministered to him, strengthened him where he was weak. I'd love to just stand with you and strengthen you if you are weak in this moment. If that is you, would you just stand with me and I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you that you love us so much that there's nothing actually that happens outside of your perfect will. Thank you that you promise us that you work in all things for our good. I know that sometimes you use suffering to cause us to hear you, to respond properly, to weaken us of our our strength or our ability and to teach us your ways. Father, I know that that's a terrible thing to feel as a human to be stripped of our ability to save ourselves. But I know that that's where faith is found. And I want to pray right now for faith, for each and every person, to see you in the middle of their storm. Father, if it feels like they're holding the hand of the devil, I pray that they would not sin in that moment and in that space, but that you, Father, would teach them like you led Jesus through, that you would teach them to come through and to overcome. And Father, for some here, they'll overcome by praying. For some, they'll come through with a word. For some, they'll come through with this prayer. For some, they'll come through (laughs) because they didn't love their life, because even in this, you were stripping in them. But Father, for some, when we come into your presence, we'll overcome. I pray for each one. Let them be faithful to you. Let them overcome, even as you overcame and teach them to be father impenetrable for the kingdom of darkness in all of this they would guard their hearts even as we started with that God their hearts and to keep their hearts in you and in your great love father in Jesus name help them to rejoice in their suffering to have faith and to honor you God because you are the God who fights the battles on our behalf you are the God who can give us victory in a moment. And until you do, Father, we sing your praise. Gerrit, you got something to share? I was
1: crying whilst he was sharing this um, preach because this is liberating truth. And the reason I was crying wasn't because I'm scared or hurt or disappointed. It's because I've got close family that unfortunately bought into that easy ticket That a church sold them, that it's all going to be well, and it's decimated them. And this might not be what I want to hear, but I can tell you, I've been taught this, this is liberating truth. Because if you don't buy it, you're going to be obliterated by Satan. And that's horrible. I'd rather be warned up front, which is how God is with us. So this might not necessarily be the most comfortable story for you to accept, but I want to caution you on the other side that's very dangerous. Thanks, Andrew.
2: You know, the Bible says we shouldn't worry about our lives. Can't add a moment to them. The Bible says um, that in all things He works for the good of those who love Him. I, I feel there is a freedom that comes when you lose your life. There's a freedom that comes when you stop fighting. There's a freedom that comes. And Jesus said, if you try and find your life, try and save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. He'll give you life. The way of God is, Father, Father I listen to you, and I, and I do what you tell me to do. And I have taken on the devil, and I have bound him before, and he's left. But I know where my authority lies. I know when the Lord is leading me to a point that... It's not going to be the way I want it to be, necessarily. And in that place, Father, it's okay. Because I see you, and I love you, and you've won my heart. Why don't we, I just feel like maybe, in some ways, we have to learn to yield to this, don't we? Paul speaks about, please take this from me, and God says no. And then Paul says, well, then I'm going to boast in it. Then I'm going to to embrace it fully. Then I'm like, this is not going to be a good thing to me. I want to ask you to embrace whatever it is with me. Like, yes, God, however, though you slay me, yet will I praise you, God, because I'm yours, and my life is yours, and I'm running for your glory. And however this works out, at the end of the day, who am I? I'm dust. You, God. You're worthy of my life. If that's you, would you just stand with me, man? It's just, the Bible says, this is how we actually overcome the devil. We don't love our lives unto death. Lord, we're standing because... We love you more than we love our lives. We love you more than anything else, God. And you have blessed us and you've given us your son. You've given us grace. You've given us the kind favor of God. You've given us eternal life. You've called us your beloved. You've seated us at your table, Lord, with you in heavenly places. You've given us authority in certain areas. And you've, you've poured out your spirit upon us, God, for we are yours. And we know, God, that as we run this race for your glory that, Lord, it might not always go the way we want. We read about the apostles and Peter who was beheaded and, sorry, crucified upside down. James, your brother, who wrote the book of James, who was stoned to death. We, 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 We know the history of your church. We know that John at the end of the revelation was the last one and he'd been in jail for you, God. But in all these things, those who stood before us showed us the way. Make us a people. That the devil cannot touch because we have already died with Christ. We've been baptized and as we were baptized, we surrendered our lives and said from now on, we'll live for the glory of our God. And our prayer, Father, is that you will get your glory however you desire, Lord, because you are worthy of more than we can bring with our lives. And we could never repay you for the goodness and the kindness that you've shown us. You are our God, and we are your people. Father, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, part of the apostolic is to equip the church for the works of service, to build us up so we can reach unity, and to bring us to greater maturity, attaining the fullness the measure of the fullness of Christ, and I feel today's word was to bring us to a greater measure of maturity as we face just life, so let's work it through and make sure that we good soil that endures with us, amen, good, that's it, um, have a good week, enjoy community on Wednesday, um, coffee and tea are to the left and the coffee shop stand at the back is also available, And yeah, have a good week. God bless you.